You're listening to Pastor Don Cherry from Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, recorded January 2nd, 2022. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, svbcfamily.com, or you can find us on all things social at svbcfamily. Amen. Thank you. Maybe see it. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate that. The reason I'm down here this morning is the message is more along the lines of a Sunday school lesson, okay? I'm going to ask you to follow me in your Bibles. We're going to break a passage of Scripture down, but it's going to be found in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 7 and work through to verse 11, but I want to kind of bounce off that very first statement that we find in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, says, but the end of all things is at hand. Now, what a way to start the new year off, right? We have hopes for the new year. Hopefully, it's going to be a lot better than 2021. And you come to church, and you hear the first words, but the end of all things is at hand. You know, when we look at that, when we look at that particular passage right there, you have to realize that that was written 2,000 years ago. Now, so think about this for a minute. So 2,000 years ago, it was written, here we are 2,000 years down the road, and the end hasn't happened yet. Matter of fact, it says the end of all things, doesn't it? But it hasn't happened. We're still here. And those of you who have been saved any length of time know that we have heard this message ever since we've been saved. I mean, in the 60s and the 70s, Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. The end times and all that stuff. And man, so you think, and here we are 50 years later. So what's happened? Well, keep in mind, and I'll keep in mind that unlike us, God is not bound by time, okay? Where you and I have a yesterday and a last month and a last year and all that stuff, God doesn't have that. God is beyond time. God lives in the eternal now. Matter of fact, you remember when Moses, back there in the book of Exodus, and all stood before the burning bush, okay, and God talked to him there. And when Moses said, so when I go back to the people, who should I say has sent me? And what did God say? Tell them I was sent you. That's not what he said, was it? Tell them um, I will be one day sent you. That's not what he said, is it? He said, tell them, I am. I am that I am has sent you. See, that is God. God lives in the eternal now. So where you and I will look at that statement and say, well, here we are 2,000 years later, nothing happened. Remember, God is timeless. This is still very relevant because it is God's word. It's based on his timing, you see. So we do live in the last days. All right, whether it was 2,000 years ago, 1,000 years ago, today, or 100 years from now, it is the last days because it's based on God's time. It's not based on our time. So with that, I ask this question, how do we know that we live in the last days? What are some things that we can see to tell us, yes, these are indeed the last days? Well, you know, you look at the Scripture, Matthew chapter 24, Jesus, you know, all of it discourse. He gives us things to look at in the last days. He said there's going to be wars. There's going to be rumors of wars. There's going to be famines. There's going to be pestilence. 
nation against nation. We see all this upheaval, all this chaos, all this, you know, things that are going on in our culture, our society today. And then if you go to Romans chapter 1, he even breaks it down even more. When it talks about the nature of man, that men will be lovers themselves more than lovers of God. And the things which seem good are actually evil, and things evil are actually good. Well, I don't know about you, but just in that little simple statement there, and all pretty much describes what's going on in our world today, haven't we? We pretty much describe. So we look at that today, and Peter here is saying, but the end of all things is at hand. Now, one thing to learn about reading your Bible, understanding your Bible, studying your Bible, is always to allow Scripture to interpret Scripture. All right? In other words, within the context of it, anybody can pull a Scripture out and make it say anything. But when you put within the context, it has a specific meaning. So this passage within context, if you go up to the previous you know, part of, of this chapter, Peter is talking about suffering. He's talking about, first of all, the suffering in Christ, and then if Christ so suffered, how can you and I expect not to? All right? Matter of fact, Jesus himself said, in the world, you will have tribulation. You will have persecution, okay? And if Christ went through the suffering that he did, how can you and I today even think that we won't? Now, let's be honest. Here in America, we've had it pretty easy. Okay, would you say that? As believers, we've had it pretty easy. Now, yeah, we can say, hey, times are getting tough. Okay, we get, we get that. We can even say that, you know, there is an increased antagonistic toward religion, in particular Christianity. Okay, there is an increased antagonism toward that. But listen, we know that for 2,000 years, Christians have been persecuted. Go back here to what you know what we're talking about here in the New Covenant, which is the very first century. Christians were, were falling to the Roman Empire. You know, tremendous persecution in there. But in that persecution came growth, came beauty, and everything. And the church grew, the church expanded as it has now for 2,000 years. But we can go back in history and we can see that those who name the name of Christ have been persecuted over and over and over again. It's something continual, you see. And that's why Peter makes a statement here, but the end of all things is at hand because persecution of God's people is one of those things, okay, that's going to show us how close we are to the coming of Jesus Christ. So he says it's at hand. Now he says, because of that, which is the word therefore, because of that, he says, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Now that word serious is the same that you see Paul using in the book of 1 Timothy when he talks about the adversary. Okay, we have an adversary of the devil, right? And we are to what? Be sober, be vigilant. That word sober, it all means to be alert. This word serious literally means be alert. Be alert. Don't be flippant. And he says specifically in your prayers, in your prayer life. Now, I don't know about you, but if there's an area of my Christian life, okay, and I'm, I'm just going to be honest, okay, I'm telling it myself. If there's an area of my Christian life that is inconsistent, it's my prayer life. Be. I mean, I get into the Word diligently. Man, I love studying the Word of God. 
and just get uh, those of you who are in Sunday school heard David Jeremiah say, you know, that he, that that he he is inquisitive. You know, he he likes to find out. He likes to dig into things, and that's the same way I am. Man, I, I want to know things like that. You know, so the the study of the words, you know, not not an issue and everything, uh, and various other things. But boy, I tell you, I struggle sometimes in my prayer life. And a lot of it is, you know, the, the old saying, you, you get out of bed and you hit the floor running. I'm guilty of that. You know, I hit the floor. I've got the schedule I've got to keep. Man, i got to get here and i got to do this. i got to do that and everything. Then it's time to go to bed. And I say, oh, my goodness. You know, haven't taken time to pray. Now, the Bible tells us that we're always to be in an attitude of prayer, right? It says prayer without ceasing. We're always to be in that attitude of prayer. But you know what? There's also that time for intentional, specific prayer, too. You know, just like Jesus' example for us in his life when he got off with his father, you see, and just took that time. We have to have those times, too, folks. We have, and again, for me, I have to plan that. I have to say, here's the time. This is not, if not, I'll mess up, you see. So he's saying here, listen, because the end is near, okay? And we go back to, like I said, Matthew 24, Romans 1. We can see what is going on in our world today. We understand those things. If we understand the Scripture, the end is near. So we've got to be ready, and in one thing in particular, to be serious, to be watchful, to be alert in our prayers. To not be flippant in our prayers, but to be mindful of our prayers. And realize, and listen, that is our channel with God. Amen? I mean, He wants us to come to us. He wants us to come to our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy. He wants us to come before him in our prayers. Now, let's go on. Look there in verse 8. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. Okay? Have fervent love for one another. Now, why do you think Peter said that outside of the fact that he was guided by the Holy Spirit, amen, the inspiration of Scripture and everything. Have fervent love for one another. Why? Because the end of all things is at hand. And let me tell you something, folks. There is nothing more effective, I believe, than the message of the gospel being communicated than when God's people are showing love for one another, okay? Because in this world today, what the, Bible, the love of many show what? Wax cold. Wax cold. You know, I've one of the things that I've always been kind of confused about, you know, is some years ago, decades ago, I guess, they came up with a category what's called hate crimes, right? Okay, we've heard, right? Hate crimes, we know like that. Well, has, can anybody tell me of a love crime? You know, I mean, you break into somebody's house, you go to rob them and say, hey, I want you to know I love you. <laughs> How's that going to work? Why would you break into somebody's house if you had no regard for them? Why would you shoot somebody, whatever like that, if you didn't have any regard for them? Every crime is a hate <laughs> crime, okay? You don't do that out of love. You do it out of detest or hate, you see. And so, when, so, so, so in our culture today where the love of many shall wax cold, how refreshing it has to be, not only to the people of God, but people in general, to say, man, th these Christians, they, they've got something. I don't know what, but you know what? They really do like each other. They like hanging around each other. They like doing things for one another. That's something different than what we see in our world today. 
But listen, folks, he's talking to us there. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. You can add that to that category of that one another. We're to pray for one another. We're to edify one another. We're to care for one another. We're to love for one another. We're to pray for one another. You see, this is how God's word is determined how we're to be toward each other, you see. And what a tremendous, tremendous witness and example that is to a lost world. And then he goes on to say, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Now, he's not talking about brushing sins under the carpet. That's not what it's talking about. But what it gets down to, love covered a multitude of sins, is we realize none of us are perfect. I know it's a shock to some of you, okay? But none of us are perfect. We've all got flaws, you know? And if you don't think you have any flaws, just give me about five minutes with your wife or husband, and, and you know, we'll, we'll find out the truth. You understand what I'm saying? No, we've all got flaws. But loving one another, we're willing to set those aside, okay? We're willing to set those aside. You know, aren't you glad that God didn't say, hey, Jeannie, when you get your act together, then you can be saved. He didn't say that, did he? I like that old song, you know, the, the, the theme to Danny Boy, but that song that says, he looked beyond my faults and he saw my need. Aren't you glad he did that first? He knew we were frail. He knew we were fault. He knew we had issues and all, but nonetheless, he provided for our salvation, you see. And that's how we're to be with one another. None of us are perfect, and we can't expect perfection in anyone, you see. Love covers a multitude of sins, okay? And we are able, because we love one another, we can look beyond that. And then notice, he says, in verse 9, be hospitable to one another. Okay, hospitable. Now, we usually think of being hospitable as opening our home. Okay, okay, hospitality, right? Okay, well, that word hospital actually means to defer to, all right? We are to defer to one another. In other words, don't sit back and say, my way or no way, okay? And I'll tell you, and Scott can probably echo this and everything, preachers are awful bad at that, everything. It's got to be their way, you know, no other way. You know, I remember a preacher in Ohio, another thing that, um, um, talking about a similar subject and everything, and he said, I'm not a dictator. He said, I'm the only tater. Now, he just put a whole bunch of expectation on his shoulders, you know what, doing that? No, defer to one another. Don't sit back and say it has to be my way. Don't sit back and say, I have to have things the way I want them and everything, because you know what? Somebody else may come up with a better idea, you know, or be led in a different way. Be willing. Be willing to work in this way, you see. And that, again, gets back to love, loving one another. Be hospitable one to another. And then notice it says, without grumbling. Without grumbling. Oh, sure, I'll let you. Hey, no problem. That's a better idea. I'm going to let you. No. Put that away, you see. Put that. There's enough griping and complaining in this world. We don't need it in the house of God, you know. Because, see, here's the thing. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him, isn't it? It's about him. And that's what we've got to keep focused on, folks. That is what we've got to keep focused on. And the reason I'm going to tell you that and everything is because we look there in Matthew chapter 24. And it's a scripture that 
Dr. Jeremiah used today. You know, but in Matthew chapter 24, he talks about famine, right? Talks about famine. Now, when we think of famine, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Anybody? Famine. What's the first thing? Food, right? Food. We've seen, we've seen that on TV. We've seen the reports and everything, countries and all. People don't have any food and everything. The famine that takes place. We see that. But the Bible says in Amos chapter 8, matter of fact, go there if you would, please. Amos chapter 8. In my Bible, it's on page 1570. If you don't have my Bible, then you're in trouble. So Amos chapter 8, let's pick it up in verse 11. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land. Now listen to this. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of the hearing of the words of the Lord. Did you get a hold of that? Did you get a hold of that? There's no famine in this country. I don't know of anybody who's starving. There may be people that don't have a whole lot. But I don't know any, anybody that's starving. Not like we see over in Africa or other places like that. We don't have that. I know none of you are starving. I ain't starving. You know? I mean, we, 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 as a matter of fact, when, we, when we're done today, what are you going to do when you leave here? You're going to go eat. That's what Baptists do. Okay? You're going to go eat. And there's a multitude of places that you're going to go to eat and all, you see. But that's not the famine he's talking about. The famine he's talking about. So the word of God. And you know what just, just boggles my mind when I think of that? 2,000 years ago, th this wasn't even written yet, this new covenant. It wasn't even written yet. They had the old covenant, but they didn't have the new covenant. And that's all they had. But today, we have TV. We have radio, we have internet, we have magazines, we have every medium and resource you can imagine, and yet people today in the church are starving for the Word of God. Now, I've told you many times that if you rely on your food, your spiritual food, what you get here on Sunday morning, you will starve. You'll spiritually starve to death. Because you have the resource, you have the Word of God there, that you can get into the Word of God. You can study the Word of God. You can meditate on the Word of God. You can do that. And please don't ever, any of you, come to me and say you don't have time because you are not going to like my reply. <clears throat> Amen or oh me. See what I'm talking about? A famine in the land. And folks, let me tell you something. People out there, we have people, and I know this is crazy to our thinking. There are people today who are Americans, who love the flag, who love this country, who, who, who would give themselves and everything for this country, support this country in every which way, who have no clue what the Word of God says. And that's just hard to conceive. Because after all, all Americans are Christians, right? I mean, that's the mindset. But no, you don't become a child of God until you're born into the family of God, honey. You see, you must be born again. You can't rely on your church membership, baptism, anything else like that. Everything, it's in Christ and Christ alone. All right. 
So, be hospitable. People are seeking. People are looking for answers. Are we ready to give that to them because of the famine that is in the land? In verse 10. Now look at this. I love this. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. Are you seeing this one another thing going on in here? Okay. That's how we're to be toward each other. You see? That's how we're to be toward each other. Man, wouldn't this be a great kickoff to 2022? If, they, if we would grasp this truth and carry this truth throughout the new year, you see? But look at there. As you've received a gift. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to each and every one of us, right? Amen? Each and every one of us. So he says, as you have received a gift. He didn't say to those who have received a gift. He said to each one has received a gift. Every one of you has a gift to be used to do what? Minister it to one another. Okay? How are you using your gift to be a blessing to one another? I know what you're probably thinking. Well, yeah, I, I sent a card to this person, and I did that, and, and nobody's ever done. That's not what it's saying. It's saying you've got a gift, use it, minister one another, regardless of what comes back. Okay? You do what God has told you to do. And you don't worry about the response. And then he says, we do that as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. A steward is one who is given charge over another's resources. All right? Let me give you an example. If you have a mortgage of your home, okay, you say, hey, I own my home. No, you don't. Okay? Quit paying that mortgage and see what happens. You understand? Basically, if you have a mortgage on your home, you are a steward for that mortgage company of that house. You are responsible to take care of it, such as that, everything, but it's theirs, okay? Well, what gift we may have, whatever your gift may be, that was from God, okay? That was from God. And as a result of being a good steward and everything, we're to use that gift for His honor and glory, not for anything for us. Not to sit back and say, look what I've done. Look what I did. Look what I can do. No, 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 no. That's not what it's about. It's for him because it's his gift, you see. And so we are responsible. We are responsible to minister that gift to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, verse 11 is where I really want to kind of compact this a little bit, okay, as, as we're, we're about to close. But I want you to notice in verse Verse 11, who the focus is on, all right? So read along with me as we look at verse 11. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Who's the subject? God. All right? It did not say anywhere, if anybody speaks, let him speak as the oracles of the preacher. It didn't say, if anyone ministers, let him do it as unto the ability which your education supplies. No, it's not us, it's God. He's to be the focus of all things. 
And the problem that we've seen in churches down through the ages and everything is when we get our eyes off that and we get our eyes on self. And then we see the difficulties and the struggles. But if together we are ministering to one another and we're ministering for the sole purpose of God getting the glory, that's attracting, folks. That's attracting. People will be drawn to that, you see. Because after all, there are those who plant, there are those who water, but who gives the increase? God. God gives the increase, doesn't he? You see. And folks, we're not talking about just what happens within this body, okay? We're talking about how we live our lives out there. You know, you've heard, probably heard the thing, I'm sure you have, we talk about persecution, you know, that Christians have gone through, are going through today, and I'm sure will go through down the road. But we've heard it said, if, there, if you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Every one of us ought to think about that. Would you want to be sitting over there at that table when the jury rises? And you say, have you reached a decision? And say, we have. On the charge of being a Christian and a child of God, how do you find? And they say, not enough evidence. How would you feel? Is that what you want to hear? Or would you want to hear him say, guilty as charged? Guilty as charged, you see. How will we be found when those two, look, in here this morning, January 2nd, 2022, right here, it's easy to live by faith. Amen? It's easy to live by faith. Out there's the key. Out there's the key. How will we live for those who see us? So I hope this morning we just understand that though that was written 2,000 years ago, but the end of all things is at hand. The thing about the coming of Christ, the word that is used is it's imminent, meaning any time. Any time. I hope it's not 10 years from now. I hope it's not 50 years from now. But if it is, it's still imminent because he is returning. But the key, and here's what I want, want, you to, I want to leave you with. Jesus said, when he returns, will he find faith on the earth? Where is he going to find it? I hope in you and in me.